0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. Da-da. With the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again. The Silver King is here. Vintage Chris Benini back by my side to break down everything that happened this week in the world of WWE as we are less than two weeks out from the Royal Rumble as the road to WrestleMania is about to begin. That means we have plenty to talk about on today's show and we're gonna get to it in a moment. You know how we do here on Getting Over. We have to remind you off the top that this show, this show is only about one thing. So please do not forget folks, for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me go back to being marks for the silver king for vintage and for getting over head on over to apple podcasts and spotify drop a five star rating if you use apple also leave a review let people know how much you love this show wrestlemania season and even the royal rumble too it's our biggest time of the year it's where we do our most traffic and listens. So your reviews count now more than ever. And as I've said, if you leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it right here on the show. We have plenty to get to today. Of course, like I said, the Royal Rumble is less than two weeks away. WrestleMania season is upon us, but Chris and I have been extremely busy recently with our normal uh, nine to fives, our day-to-day jobs. And that has led to some awkward recording times, uh, and also some unavailability for Chris. So welcome Chris back to the show. Hopefully uh, you're refreshed as much as you can be refreshed, uh, given perhaps what WWE is giving us recently. Uh, welcome back to the show. is my point.
1: Yes, like like Eric Bischoff, I'm back. Uh, it, it it was a. But are you better great... than
0: ever? That's the question.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll leave that up to the listeners to decide. It it has been a frantic couple of weeks as the college football season uh, has come to a close as both you and I cover that sport I was at the uh, coaches convention last week which runs parallel to the national championship game and then as we're recording I have to fly out to Indianapolis later today for the NCAA convention uh, as they're doing a whole new deal there but I am fully caught up on wrestling I, I watched it all uh, so I'm I'm good to go and I've been dying to talk about wrestling for a few weeks now and it's Good if I would be able to do that.
0: By the way, I never actually liked um Bischoff on WWE TV, but he had a banger entrance theme. That was a that's a great, great
1: theme. You know, it, maybe it, not it was
0: maybe not no chance in hell, but it was it's pretty damn close.
1: No, yeah. He you know, entrance music is very important in pro wrestling, and his fit perfectly. So good good call there.
0: It's also a situation where like you remember, when you hear themes like that, uh, let's think about, yeah, I'm just trying to pull some out. D'Lo Brown, right? Uh Vince McMahon's, even though Vince's was originally used for a pay-per-view. You you hearken back to those and you're like, man, entrance themes are so good. They really help sell the character. And now you listen like largely at the themes that we get across the board. They ain't good. I mean, there's some that hit, you know, like like Seth Rollins' new theme. I didn't like it at first. It really hits now. Like, I I think it's really solid. Um But so many of the new themes are just like garbage music, like an instrumental that maybe they eventually give a little uh, life to. But most of them are bad. They don't tell you the story of the characters, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was that period where where WWE went from Jim Johnston to, to CFOs. It was pretty good when CFOs was doing the NXT stuff at the time. Then it was kind of a lull period. But I feel like the last six months or so, they've introduced a lot of new themes and I think they're pretty good. Even live live Morgan kind of has new music, which is something I talked about on this show several times over the past couple of months. And then I think last week, I think it was, they debuted kind of new music. So maybe they're listening.
0: Yeah, maybe they are. We'll, we'll find out. Um, look, a <laughs> few, few things to talk about as we get into today's show, before we get to our main event, before we get to the good, the bad and the ugly. So, you know, this is nothing to do with wrestling. I just poured myself a glass of not a glass, a cup of uh, green tea, and put a stroop waffle on top of it. Have you ever mm. had a stroop waffle?
1: Yes, actually, my wife is on a bit of a stroop waffle binge over the last couple of weeks. We've been getting a lot of them from the store. <laughs> so, so
0: I, I the first time I ever had one. This is a true story. Uh, WrestleMania thirty thirty four. I'm tying it back into wrestling. WrestleMania 34. And this is not like a a humble brag situation. I was staying in the Ritz Carlton in in New Orleans. I've talked about this before. Brock Lesnar stayed in the same hotel. Um, But I I went down for breakfast one morning. It was super early. I was exhausted. And my throat wasn't feeling well, maybe from the traveling or the air, whatever the case. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going to get a cup of tea. I I never, ever get tea. I don't really drink coffee. So I'll get some tea, right? So I ordered tea. And whatever tea I ordered, I don't remember English breakfast tea or green tea, whatever. The the waiter goes, "Would you like a stroop waffle with that?" And I'm like, "Uh, okay. Is it a waffle?" I'm like, "Sounds great, you know." And he goes, "No, no. It's like a pastry that you put on top on top of the tea. It's really good." I'm like, "Okay, fine." So he brings it. I'm eating this thing. It's I'm I'm in heaven. I'm like, these are the greatest things ever. Well, what I came to find out is, you know, you can eat them. Plain, you know, like raw, I guess would be the best way to put it. But the proper way to eat them is the way it was served to me. Of course, obviously, in the Ritz Carlton, you put it on top of your tea or coffee, it like softens it and melts the caramel inside, and then you eat it. Point being, Mm. I randomly, two weeks ago, bought Stroop waffles at Trader Joe's. Today in South Florida is the first day it's been under 50 degrees this entire winter. Made a tea, had a Stroop waffle. I hearken back to WrestleMania 34. That's really all I'm getting.
1: At. There you go. Well, I, I was at that mania, too, but I was staying at a friend's place about 45 minutes out of town. So it sounds like you had a better, uh, better uh, hospitality so, than well, I did. I, I'm not a I'm not a tea person, I'm not a coffee person. I can't do hot liquids to begin with. My mouth burns easily. But mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting way to use a Stroopwafel. So I will look into it. It's
0: that. the it's the from what I understand, the intended purpose
1: to literally <laughs> sit on top
0: of the cup and soften and and melt and yeah if your wife's on a kick and doesn't know that i mean we need to we need to get well, her to try we're, it we're least.
1: a bunch of blue collar guys here so we didn't know that
0: you could probably you know you could probably throw it in the microwave for 20 seconds also probably get the same same thing done uh, regardless it's delicious and the for anyone who had not heard the Ritz Carlton story i'm not going to tell the whole story but the long and short of it is i got a room for 300 dollars a night at a damn oh. Ritz Carlton I, I opened my closet while i'm there that has like the emergency exit, whatever. The room was listed as $8.97 a night. And that was on the cheap end. There was a high end. So it happened somehow. I stayed there for like five days. You know, trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know that it's worth $900 a night, but um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's definitely worth $300 a night if you ever have the opportunity. So there you go. Uh, look, a couple things to talk about. Like I said, that are actually less wrestling related before we get into the main event and into today's show. Big news came out. I believe it was Sunday. Uh, Mustafa Ali, publicly requested his release from WWE. You know, it's an interesting move by him, uh, not just to request the release, but to do so publicly. We've seen it go really both ways. Generally, in the past, when people would request a release publicly, it doesn't go so well for them. They literally are kind of sitting there on their hands, like waiting. Sometimes WWE waits them out. When they would do it privately, at least recently, it seemed to be getting approved. Um, now Ali is not yet released as we, as far as we know. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure what WWE is going to do, but putting that aside, I'm sure he will not be there soon, whether it's, um, uh, you know, momentarily in, in the next week or so, or whether they wait until the end of a quarter and they do another round of releases and include him in it. I'm quite sure he's not going to be there, but this is a massive disappointment, of course, to me, um, completely in every way underutilized, completely overlooked. Uh, Mustafa Ali really has the entire package of what you want from a wrestler. He is exceptional in the ring. He is exceptional on the mic. He has character, uh, personality, charisma. He can do everything you could potentially want. And for some reason, even though he, it seemed at one point, was poised for potentially that push, in the elimination chamber, the spot that ultimately went to Kofi Kingston when Ali got hurt, even though a year or two later, I'm forgetting when it was, maybe it was It was actually last year, I'm sorry, last year, uh, it looked like they were going to build Kofi Kingston versus Mustafa Ali and actually tell the second half of that story going into WrestleMania before they dropped that storyline, even though they added him to Retribution and he immediately stood out as the only interesting thing and one of the worst gimmicks that WWE has given us over the last few years. And even though he basically dragged Mansoor through a really decent feud on the way to the last Blood Money in the Sand event, despite all of that, this is a guy that WWE cannot find something for. They can't figure out He's a natural baby face. You could put him in the mid card, give him a title run. You know, I don't know that he's going to sell out arenas and he's going to be a merchandise mover for you, but he's someone that the fans are going to get behind and cheer because he's incredible in the ring and incredible on the mic. And yet they just sat around and did nothing with him. And the the final straw, it seems, and we talked about this on the show and I told you this was my opinion at the time, and I, it was really unfortunate to see it unfold this way. It seems like Ali came up with a new gimmick that debuted shortly after the draft or Survivor Series, right around that time when he got drafted from Raw over to SmackDown. He cut some vignettes on his own. Apparently, reportedly, Vince McMahon liked what he did. He put one on TV and the reaction to it was so negative. Every almost every person I saw said, oh, there's no way this is going to work. This WWE is going to turn this into a anti-American foreigner heel gimmick and this whole deal. And people complained so much that the second vignette or promo videotaped package, whatever you want to call it, never aired. Ali posted it on his Twitter. It was clear that it was going in a better direction than people thought, but the character got completely scrapped because of online fan reaction. And then people found out it was Ali's idea and came around and said, oh, well, maybe that could have worked, right? But they had to react negatively initially because they thought it was a WWE Vince McMahon idea. But it seemed like he was going to have this opportunity. I loved that vignette that they aired. I liked the one on Twitter even more because it had less objectionable or potentially objectionable stuff. At the end of the day, it gets pulled, and you never see him again, really, on television. And I just think it's totally unfortunate. Um, a huge talent that, yeah, you know, we talk about, you know, the, people say all the time, WWE waste talent. It, sometimes, yes. A lot of times, it just doesn't work out. Sometimes relationships don't work. In this case,
1: wasted talent, no question about it. It's it's an interesting one because y- 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 you can say they did use him in quite a few different ways. I, I mean, say what you will about Retribution. They tried to push it. You know, for a while there was interrupting main event type stuff. You know, they gave time to the Mansoor stuff. You know, we on here were some of the ones who were concerned about that potential foreign heel promo the first time he he gave it. Um, So they just clearly don't view him as a top guy. And they used him in situations as not a top guy. But he's clearly incredibly creative and driven to do a lot of these promo stuff on his own vignettes, put them on Twitter, and they get a lot of attention. And that's what any wrestling company should want. A a guy who's clearly coming to you with ideas, a guy who has a lot of vision and what he wants to do and where he wants to go. And clearly the company just... Sometimes gave it a look, sometimes didn't. And so he he wants to to go. Is he going to get released? You know, normally I'd say no. I think back to when Luke Harper, Brody Lee asked for his release. He, he didn't get that for like a year or something like after that, after he went public. Um, Neville sat around for months. Yeah, no, no, no. but he quit, this yeah. is but this is clearly a different time where they are generally fine letting wrestlers go because they're cutting costs so maybe he gets it pretty soon maybe he doesn't i mean clearly they don't think he's all that valuable so what loss would there be in letting him go to aw or wherever the heck you know he potentially ends up so yeah,
0: i don't know but it's, it's, it's also weird because they they keep dipping their toe in his water if that makes sense and it, it just it's never something they actually like they don't put their whole body in Right, they never put their whole body in with Mustafali.
1: He actually, he also he tweeted a week or so ago when uh, uh, there was a tweet out about Marvel looking for a, a South Asian male in his 20s or 30s who can do stuff, and he he tweeted that they should come after him and look for that. So I don't maybe he has uh, other stuff outside of wrestling in his future. I I don't know, but there was also that video of him doing the like the roll up sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, like like he's a very creative guy. um, And so it, it's unfortunate that they haven't been able to do more with that.
0: It's just a joke, honestly. He uh, Another guy who's an extremely good talent that when we looked at all the releases and we said, oh, man, who are the people that are still there? And what he's one of them. Oh, man, maybe they'll do something with Ali. You know, apparently not. Um, And Ricochet is definitely in that line, too, where it's like, oh, man, maybe they're going to actually do something with Ricochet. And we'll talk about what happened to him uh, later on today's show. One last thing before we get into the main event, Chris, I wanted to keep track of the content we have been getting on WWE TV. And I had a little time to do it on Friday. I didn't have the time to do it on Monday, but I watched SmackDown and I didn't do this like with a stopwatch. I'm not a dork like that, but I took a look at my clock uh, when segments started and ended on Fox. And I was just really curious to find out like, how much wrestling are we going to get on the show? How much of it goes to promos and in-ring segments, commercial breaks and stuff like that. So I kept track, like I said, and this is the breakdown of a two hour Smackdown. And and yes, these numbers are not going to add up to 120 because I just rounded everything up, but we got 50 minutes, five, zero of entrances, promos and in-ring segments. Just Anything that had to do with like basically being in the arena or talking about wrestling, but not actually wrestling. 50 minutes of that. 34 minutes of commercials. That's not a surprise. It's broadcast TV. Knew that. Knew we were going to get that. Then we got 23 minutes of wrestling or brawling on screen. Actual fighting. So 23 out of a grand total of, let me do a quick math, 91 minutes um, of actual wrestling on air, like like the product, the WWE product, 23 minutes, less than one-third was actually wrestling. And then we got 14 minutes of replays and old content. Now, I didn't do the same thing with Raw because it's three hours and I was watching football and whatever. Doing that once was enough for me. It, I already proved the point. But there were only two matches on Raw, longer than 10 minutes, on a three-hour show, and only six times that the bell rang, on the entire program. So on a 3 hour show, they're doing two matches per hour and the average time of those matches is far under 10 minutes. And I'm just watching SmackDown and Raw and I'm thinking to myself, we know during the pandemic when they were, you know, taping in the performance center, we know they weren't doing this. They were going a little bit heavier than even they were doing beforehand on wrestling because they needed to fill up time and it made sense to do that. But now that they've gotten back in front of crowds, and they've been back in front of crowds since July, let's not forget, they are progressively putting less and less wrestling on television. I'm talking in-ring action. And when they do it, and this we've talked about on the show ad nauseum already, I'm going to talk about it later today as well. It's like you get one minute of action, a commercial break, you come back, you get three minutes and the match is over. And it's not every single match, but it's almost every single match on the main roster. I don't understand who they are trying to appeal to because they are not appealing to anyone who actually likes the in-ring product, which should be pretty important because you have a lot of really good wrestlers still, despite all the people you cut, on your roster. I don't... Their entertainment, their promos, and, and their in-ring segments aren't particularly good, especially when they're scripting them. So... No they're really not trying to appeal in my opinion to people who want good entertainment like you would get from a sitcom or a drama like a regular cable television show. So what exactly are they trying to do? All I can think of is their only goal these days on SmackDown and Raw it's not to give us sports action, it's not to give us entertainment, it is to figure out how to place their content around commercials, promotions for the premium live events on Peacock and ad- and any additional advertisements, because I don't understand at all the formatting of these shows
1: that I'm going to start off by saying, yeah. And I <laughs> listened to the last episode where I, I didn't realize I say, yeah, every time I start a, a response to you, <laughs> we got to make a T-shirt about it. So maybe, maybe we'll do that. I did yeah. catch that. I have yeah. caught up on. Other I didn't,
0: episodes. I didn't read that comment before I started reading it on the air. And I was like, oh man, I hope
1: Chris doesn't take offense to that. <laughs> no, but I, it no, is no.
0: technically true. You do say that a lot.
1: Maybe I'll just lean into the gimmick, but. But yeah, your your point. Who is this for? Is the whole thing? I mean, we talked about it for a few months now. That I first noticed that they're doing, they're doing, um, entrance commercial, entrance, uh, video package, and then a wrestling, then a one wrestling minute of wrestling a, commercial, things, and we then you come back. Yeah, but the thing is, there's not even that much wrestling during the commercials as there used to right. be. So right. w- when you're At one of these events, I don't you're barely you're barely getting any wrestling, barely any more than you're getting as a TV viewer. And this was another thing I wrote down while I was gone, catching up on several episodes of wrestling. But the promo work in this company is generally quite bad like aside from a handful of people who are really good your Roman Reigns right. your Kevin Owens your Sami Zayn's but there's a lot of talking from a lot of people who are just not very good at it and they're just not doing well, a good la- job Well largely the cuz they're scripted. Or whatever. they're not giving a chance. I'm, I'm sure yeah. scripted is a big part yeah. of it yes I'm, I'm sure it's part of it it's just like yeah I don't know who this is generally for there's so much advertising and partners and sponsorships and we're changing pay-per-view to live premium live events And and you're you're you've got commentators talking about advertisements during entrances and not instead of telling the story of what's going on with this character. There's literally no there's no storytelling going on whatsoever.
0: Like if 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 there's anything to cut, if there's anything to cut, like you see. um, Let me just pick Finn Balor coming out for his entrance. Right. So halfway through the entrance, go to commercial then come back and catch the second half of Austin Theory's entrance. And then the match starts and you get eight minutes of the match on TV. That is good entertainment. Like, you know what I mean? Cut off the parts that don't matter. Instead, they're giving us completely the parts that don't matter. And sometimes when there are actual matches, cutting off the actual wrestling that we want to see. And I'm not expecting USA Network or Fox to go full Turner and give us picture-in-picture picture for most commercial breaks because they paid a lot more money for these products and they paid that money so they could get live sports for Fox um, and for, you know, USA not, uh, but live adver- live television advertising dollars in between this product. So I understand they want their commercials. There's nothing we can do to get away from commercials. But WWE, they have to be better about scheduling their shows around them and giving us more wrestling on television. And I'm not suggesting that they go back to what they tried, like whatever it was, 18 months or two years ago, where they did the, you know, disqualification, restart the match, best two out of three falls, you know, a brawl before the match to get to the commercial and then come back with the bell ringing. I'm not saying to do that. It's okay to have a commercial, you know, in inside of a match every once in a while, but you can't do it in the format they're currently doing it. It is not sustainable. And Man, if you're wondering why ratings are going down on on USA Network, you know, yes, the NFL is a behemoth and the ratings on Raw for this Monday should be terrible because it went up against an NFL playoff game for the first time ever. Okay, but aside from the competition, because that is now over next week's Raw is unopposed to major sports. It is the format and the production of the show, in addition to cutting talent and people not liking WWE and all these other things. It does not make you want to keep watching the program. I got like frustrated five or six different times watching Raw, and I was watching it uh, on DVR, fast forwarding through shit because I couldn't watch more than one minute of new content without commercials, replays, uh, what happened on SmackDown for twenty minutes that I just saw three days ago. It was like mind numbing, dude. I got to say, it's
1: it. it, it what is? What is must see on raw? Like 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 when when raw's on like what is the thing you're like I got to see what happens here.
0: I want to see with Le- right now Lesnar and it's Lashley. Brock.
1: It's, it's yeah. Brock, yeah.
0: Lesnar and Lashley, I would say Owens and Rollins I would not want to miss something involving them. And probably RK Bro. I think it's kind of fair to say they're super entertaining. I wouldn't like be devastated if I missed a segment for one week, but like if I missed Raw, it didn't record on DVR. There was no yeah. way for me to watch it. Those are the three things I would make sure I saw on YouTube. Like,
1: like, like if you were watching football and you're like, all right, football's over. I'm going to your football on Monday nights is over. I'm, am I going to watch wrestling again? Like, what what is here? For, for all this talk about going after the casual fans, Their their viewership doesn't change. It's the same people watching every week. It's not going very much up or down. Every once in a while, a Brock appearance will pop a rating. But it, it for all this talk about like going after a wider audience, casual fans, like it's just the same people. It's just steadily been going down and down and down. So there's been no reason for people to get back into wrestling. And I think that's kind of just the larger picture where unless you're watching this day to day, it's not really something like everybody's talking about it, what's going on, got to check it out. There, there was a good graph. I think WrestleNomics on Twitter a couple weeks ago posted it. It was basically the Google searches for how many people Googled NFL, MLB, NHL, and all these professional leagues are going up over the last handful of years. People Mm -hmm. Googling WWE has actually gone down, which I found really interesting for all the promoting of the brand that they do over over the actual wrestlers and stars and stuff like that. I just feel like this whole strategy, it's getting the money through all the sponsorships, the Saudi Arabia stuff, all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. But. I don't think you're creating a loyal audience that 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 is that is all that interested other than passively.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And even the spikes that you would get around Royal Rumble and WrestleMania time, you don't get those spikes anymore. I mean, no. business does go up. Don't get me wrong, but it's briefly and it's fleeting. You know, they did say last year, more people watched WrestleMania, I think, and this year SummerSlam than ever before. True. Uh, but it's also five dollars or, you know, yes. and
1: and it's, it's on, on Peacock. Peacock. A lot of people have it. And also, if more people are watching it than ever, then why aren't they watching your TV? show? Why aren't they tuning into your product? And that's the fault of WWE for not making
0: compelling television, because if they were doing things that were really popping interest, then people would tune in. And look, AEW, 2 you know, they will do something. They'll bring in Bryan Danielson and CM Punk and they'll pop a rating for a couple of weeks. But mostly it goes back to average. They have a core audience that isn't really growing. And I would love to tell you that them adding Keith Lee and Ember Moon and Jeff Hardy, maybe Jeff Jeff Hardy would definitely give them a, a one week at least or maybe two week boost. But all those other people, Keith Lee, all these people that we love, these wrestlers that we really like that didn't get a chance to actually do something in WWE. Those are their fans are already watching AEW. So it's not like that product is growing. NXT, they made wholesale changes to it. They completely altered the business. They moved it off of Wednesday. They moved it to Tuesday. It's not growing. Um, now you could say it's because the product isn't good because you know their changes didn't work. But it's many weeks, the same or a similar audience to what the black and gold was getting, which it wasn't yeah. doing well. It was on the downward spiral because a large part of NXT's fan base were people dissatisfied with the main roster. And then when AEW came into existence, they said, you know what? Now we can completely separ- separate ourselves from WWE. We can just go over and watch a completely different product. And slowly that bit away, and ate away at the NXT audience. I could go on a rant about that for a long time. Anyway, to, no, everything's stagnant is my point. And I'm not saying that wrestling as an industry isn't growing. I think wrestling fans are becoming more passionate than ever. They're watching more, product and more streaming services. GCW is obviously becoming mm-hmm. something to watch. Um, that's exciting. Impact is doing some cool things, even though it's not really getting me to tune in yet. But overall, like this was a lot of people said this was a pro wrestling boom period that things were going to go nuts. It They're really not. It's just this stagnant group of people that still watch wrestling. I'm glad that so many of them listen to this podcast. It's great because we get to keep doing it. But It doesn't seem to be something that has any real true momentum behind it. And WWE seems okay with that. They seem okay with making their money from sponsorships and Saudi Arabia and just getting record profits and not realizing that, forget about record profits. If they really invested and they really tried to put a good product on television, they could go crazy. They could spike the hell out of that stock. If Vince wants to sell WWE, the best thing you can possibly do is make it super popular again and reach another apex, not an Attitude Era apex, but some other type of apex. Bring in or create or develop and feature new talent, get people over, make it more modern, tell stories better, uh, you know, script less promos, give longer matches. All these things WWE can do. And instead, we're sitting here talking largely about the same stuff. The same frustrations with TV. If it's not the two out of three falls and all that bullshit, now it's this. Why can't you just go back to what used to work? I'm not saying to go do that, go do attitude era storylines and stuff, but you had a process that for a very long time worked and they have completely gone away from it. And as you've said many times, WWE, I think part of it is they think they're Marvel, but they are nowhere close to Marvel when it comes to putting yeah. out really top quality content. To,
1: to your point, I mean... They obviously this isn't just about moving to PG, but but they clearly target a lot of it to kids, which is fine, but it hasn't worked because right their audience is older than ever Mm -hmm. based on all the surveys about who's actually watching WWE. Now, there are a lot of kids watching the kids buy a lot of merchandise. You know, those numbers are good. So, again, you're making money off of it, but you're not you're not developing as much of a. A, a fan base and to, to back to the point about the lack of wrestling. I mean, I was just thinking like on this episode of raw, what wrestling was I actually interested in? And then you think about, man, imagine if they had Keith Lee, if they had Braun Strowman, if they had undisputed era, if they had Alistair Black, if they had all these people that they let go, like you could put on a really, really good wrestling show. And they just, they just didn't want to do that. and And so here we are even with their tiny, tiny roster that
0: they have now, which is it went from it's over over bloated to way too thin. Even with this roster, they still don't feature talent and they still can't put right. on. They still and my point is I, this is the part I missed. It's still an extremely talented roster. Like there's a ton of really good wrestlers and performers and superstars across these shows, and they still can't put on compelling television, at least in terms of in-ring action, you know, storylines give or take each given week. Let's actually talk about all that right now, because we went on way longer than I expected here in the intro. So let's do a a relatively speedy look at the world of WWE this week. And let's kick it all off, as we always do here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, by sliding into the main event. So we'll start with SmackDown and that Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins face-to-face that ended the show. This was promoted all night. They really, really tried to get people to tune in to the main event segment, and they mostly just used Shield video packages that, by the way, included Dean Ambrose. They did not cut him out, even though you could have. You know, they could have figured that out, but he was Mm -hmm. there on screen multiple times. By the time both Reigns and Rollins made their entrances in the main event, there was seven minutes left in the entire show. Rollins tried to do the Shield fist, but Reigns said that's beneath him. Rollins pointed out that he's beaten Reigns every time they fought for a title. Rain said that's in the past, but now he's in God mode. and He's the greatest of all time. Rollins acknowledged all of Rain's success, but suggested he did not do it all by himself. Rollins said he was succeeding in the Indies while Reigns failed in the CFL. Then Rollins said he held Rain's hand when they were in the Shield together. Now Reigns needs the bloodline to succeed. Rain said Rollins looks and sounds like a clown, and if he was going to fight a star, he'd have picked someone else from Raw or Becky Lynch, his wife, because she's a real headliner. Rollins then dodged an attack from the Usos, and the segment just kind of fizzled out from there. I just expected more from this. Like, I didn't feel legitimate animosity that we should get between these two. It felt like they were trying to do the Roman Reigns John Cena promo battle. You know that they did. I guess it was ahead of SummerSlam, but it just fell flat because both both guys are heels right now. So there's not one guy whose quips and lines you're like rooting for. It almost felt. As if Rollins was a little brother antagonizing Reigns, the older brother, who was just rolling his eyes at the entire thing. Rollins definitely one-upped Reigns here, like in kayfabe and in reality. But Roman did have the best line about Becky. You could tell WWE felt like the shield packages alone were enough to build this feud. And I think they were just mistaken there. There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with this. But did it hit for me? It didn't really hit for me, no.
1: I, I liked it. I I, I would I wanted more, but I did like what they gave us. I liked the video packages. I liked reminding us throughout the show that hey, we're gonna get them later. Here's their history. I'm, I'm again. I'm glad they showed Dean Ambrose. I'm glad they showed Roman and Seth winning the tag titles together in the Shield. Um, so I thought that built it up pretty good. This, this kind of felt like this kind of felt like a promo that's meant to fill out the video package before the match where they just they kind of state some basic mm-hmm. things. Um, so what we got two Smackdowns left before the Rumble now. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to build off of it. Do another promo between the two. I, I, I liked it. I I I just I wanted a bit more. I wish it could have gone a bit longer. Um, but no, I, I, I like this. But the dynamic of them both being heels is a problem. And it was a problem during the. Uh day one fatal four way buildup where you just you had so many heels going at each other. The fans didn't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like Roman, Roman will walk in the ring and say Omaha, and they'll cheer, and then they'll say acknowledge me, and they'll boo. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so. Then it's like, well, which one are we supposed to feel here? Because saying the name of the city is a heel, is a face thing. Like like, like so, maybe they're kind of making Roman the tweener for this because Seth is obviously more the heel. Although Roman, I don't Holdenek, know. I don't know that. I don't know that. In, that's in, the, in, the, in the in the promo, in the promo, Seth was more the heel, but then the Usos coming in made Roman
0: more yeah. of
1: the heel. They it but feels I,
0: like a double tweener situation for
1: me. That, yeah, that's how so, I think about it. But like, I, I there were there were a lot of little things in this I like. Like when Roman's coming to the ring and the way Seth was looking at him, like this is finally the Roman that you know eight ten years ago, whatever it was that they wanted they finally have it. You could you could kind of sense a little bit of pride, I think, in Seth as he was walking Roman coming to the ring and Roman was kind of smirking at him a little bit on the way back in. Um I I I like that. Uh yeah, I, I there were just there were a lot of little things I like. I just wanted more of it. So um yeah it was it it was good. I could, just I, I hope they do it again. I'd like to go even deeper into that. And could, and one other thing I noticed Apparently, Seth freaking Rollins is now his official name because it's on the graphic.
0: It's now his official name in quotes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it looks a little weird. And also that. Yeah. But anyway, like no, I, I, I don't I know like, why. They,
0: I don't know why they couldn't get away with just calling him that and not making it his official name. Like, I know
1: that like
0: Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, they never call. You know, they're not going to call him freaking. Yeah, I hope. I, I yeah, hope they're not. I mean, um I don't know why they did that. Uh, Imagine if I told you, Chris, two years ago, right? Two years ago from now uh, or before now, I said, hey, Chris, the main events co-main event of the 2022 Royal Rumble is going to be Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. And the only face in those two matches is Brock Lesnar. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You would be like, what's weird? You'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, Anyway. All right, so let's move over to Raw, the second half of this, which we were kind of alluding to. Uh, We had now a lot happened on Raw, all kind of contained in segments with Edge and Kevin Owens. It was all convoluted, so I separated things as best I could. Just want to clarify that so you guys don't think I missed anything. So we got the KO show with Seth Rollins. Kevin Owens finally got his own microphone flags for the show, which I thought was a nice touch. He said, Rollins set the table that Reigns thinks he's the head of. Rollins said Reigns is clearly scared. And when he wins the Universal title, it's going to come back with Rollins to Raw. Owens entered the Royal Rumble, said he would win so that he and Rollins can give them the best WrestleMania main event of all time. Damian Priest came out saying no one believes Rollins can beat Reigns or that Owens can win the Rumble. He also called KO a liar. This whole segment, it just felt unnecessarily long when it could have cut off a couple minutes, two or three minutes from it, and just gone on to the matches that we're going to talk about in a minute. But it did set the stage nicely. For not only what was to come on Raw, but the different scenarios that could unfold from the Royal Rumble, they kind of set the table and said, here are things that are possible that you should maybe be getting excited about going into the Royal Rumble. Rollins and Owens are endlessly entertaining together. And because of those two reasons, I really liked this opening segment.
1: It, 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 no, there you go again. There you go with the, yeah. You're, you're not
0: going right. to, don't get in your head about it. You're you're going to do I, it. I, I'm so. going to.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, because we just, we agree on a lot. That's why it ends up happening. Right. But this was good. Um, Kevin Owens is great at setting the table. Uh, I liked how much, speaking of, so I mentioned promos a little bit ago and how not many people are good at it. Kevin Owens' passion on his promos is probably unmatched by anybody in the company. And that really makes a difference. The crowd reacted strongly to the things that he said because he was saying them with passion. And he was yell he was yelling, raising his voice a bit. And people wake up when they hear that. I say it all the time, but so many heel promos in WWE are just people speaking sarcasm. Like, think about every Charlotte promo ever. Mm-hmm. That's not on her. That's just the way WWE wants to do it. I think it's on her, too.
0: I think that's very. He
1: he talks in a way that gets people to pay attention. You think I mean, go back to the 80s. All the wrestling promos are people just yelling that they want to beat somebody up. Like there's a reason that happened back then, because that's a formula that works. So he was great here. It was probably a little bit long. But again, this was good. Kevin Owens stuff is always pretty good.
0: It's very rare for an Owens mic segment to not work. That's really the truth. Uh, So we got Priest versus Owens. And they did not define what this match was until like two minutes into it, where they called it a champions contender match. They didn't show a graphic. They didn't tell us. They didn't even say it was non-title initially. So I saw them fighting and I was just like, what? Why? Like, why did Owens get into this spot? What's he done to deserve it? They could have done something where he demands an opportunity backstage. They, They didn't. They just made the match. Uh, Priest, and that's, by the way, one of my biggest issues with AEW sometimes is when matches just happen on TV, and we have no idea why. And this was an issue here. Owens played possum outside and caught Priest flying with a super kick. Then he had a really sick frog splash off the ring apron. Priest countered a pop-up powerbomb attempt with a lariat and hit a broken arrow for a near fall. KO escaped a superplex and hit a perfect senton bomb for 2.8. They Each countered finishers uh, with Owens finally hitting a pop-up powerbomb sit-down style for another 2.8. Priest came back with South of Heaven for another near fall. KO then was in the corner selling an injured hamstring. Priest came over to check, and KO hit him with the stunner for the one-two-three. <laughs> so this was Damian Priest's first loss by pinfall on the main roster since he got called up one year ago this month. It wasn't even mentioned by commentary, and I absolutely loathe Chris WWE's lack of awareness of its own product. It's one thing to say like, oh, these guys have fought 10 times and this one person's never won. And then they're fighting two years later and not realizing it. That's okay. But this is present day. The last 12 months you've booked Damian Priest so damn strong where you didn't have him take a pinfall or submission loss one time in a year. And then you just have it happen. And you don't even mention it when you have it happen. They wasted the loss given it was a non-title match. And if they had at least mentioned it, the the pinfall situation, pinfall submission situation, they could have put over Kevin Owens' win even stronger just by mentioning Mm -hmm. the statistics. It was also nonsensical because the rumble is coming up and the US title presumably is not going to be defended on that show. I assume maybe they will do it next week on TV. So if they book it for Raw next week, I really don't think they're going to have Owens win the title ahead of the Royal Rumble where he says he's going to win the Rumble and go after the Universal Championship. So we're going to get a rematch where Priest beats Owens, and that's going to mean that they ended the pinfall streak, pinfall submission streak, for no reason whatsoever. It's too noteworthy of a happening to just throw it away, and that shit really angers me. WWE's decision-making thought process, whatever here, was terribly flawed. but. The match was really damn good. It went 12 minutes and both of these guys worked their ass off. Owens in particular was great. I gave it 3.75 stars and a B for the mat B plus for the match. But the booking sucked. I
1: enjoyed the match. The result. I just wish I wish Kevin Owens had just won the U.S. title here. Like, why not? Dam- I Breeze has done nothing with that title in forever. His whole character is still a mess. He's still having to explain to somebody every week that sometimes I'm like this and sometimes I'm like that <laughs> because because people still don't quite get it. He's having to explain that every week now. Just take the title off of him. Do do a full on reset. Give Kevin Owens the title so he's got some gold while he hangs around Seth Rollins and Rollins can be like, hey, you got that title. You don't need to enter the Rumble. And Owens is like, no, nah, I want to be a double champion like you did back in the day, you know, so like just Give give the U.S. title to Kevin Owens because he'll do some fun stuff with it and it'll mean something. The U.S. title means nothing. I keep forgetting every week who the freaking champion is. Just Priest is really, really talented. I continue to really hate this gimmick. Yeah, we're going to get it next week and we're probably not going to like the result. Wish they had just given Kevin Owens the title here.
0: Exactly. If you're going to have someone take their first pin or submission loss, you make it in a moment where there's a huge impact and you put the other person over who does it, right? That's the whole point. Uh, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson over in AEW, he took his first pinfall loss and he did it to the champion who they're trying to get over as the new face of the company. There's a reason for it. Here, a whole year. I mean, I don't, don't want to say completely wasted, but they had built something there and they just flushed it down the toilet. And this should have been something they, that they've been talking about on television. Priest, mm-hmm. still, you know, without taking a pinfall or submission loss. Technically, they already killed it when they did the DQ and count out shit, because before that he had not lost, period. Uh, But they did that, I think, with Dolph Ziggler already killed the vibe. This just flushed it down the toilet. Okay, so the second half of this was Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. There was a baller video package with Lesnar Mm -hmm. and Lashley. It went over their come ups, their recent domination and how this head to head battle is a match that seemed like it would never happen. And by the way, That's apparently reality. I believe I saw a report once or twice that Lesnar never wanted to fight Lashley, even though Bobby's wanted it for years. I think probably because Bobby's been aggressive talking about it in wrestling and MMA, and it just never happened. But apparently Lesnar didn't want it. Here we are, we're getting it. Anyway, this video package was awesome. It made this match feel like a WrestleMania main event. It had an epic feel to it. The whole thing was just fantastic. Did you get a chance to watch that whole thing?
1: The The video package? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. Th- th- that was, you know, we talk about not, non-wrestling things on the show. The video packages are generally pretty good. I'm okay with it. This was a great one. Talking about the Forge, talking about all that stuff. Loved it.
0: And so then after that, we got Lashley versus Rollins. Rollins hit a sling blade, then failed a pedigree attempt, escaped the hurt lock, and ate a belly-to-belly suplex as Lashley caught him with a tope suicida outside. Uh, Rollins worked on Lashley's knee and calf. Lashley came back with a flatliner, suplexes and a dominator for a near fall. They countered signatures with Rollins hitting a pedigree, but he was unable to cover immediately and only got a 2.5. Lashley actually got face chance. Then hit a really sick avalanche belly to belly suplex on Rollins, throwing him like three quarters of the way across the ring. And Hmm. right as the match was hitting its apex right there, her business runs in, attacks Lashley for the DQ. They got a ton of big shots on him, but he came back with a double vertical suplex and a helicopter into the post before spearing Shelton Benjamin through the barricade, because if it's Lashley or it's Lesnar, you have to have, or Reigns, you have to have one of those in a major match. Uh, Then after that, the Usos ran in from the crowd and did a double super kick on Rollins to end Raw. I could get all upset about the DQ finish, but if you have watched WWE at all in your life you knew the moment this match was announced, it was going to be a disqualification or countout finish or some type of other schmaz. WWE is not going to have big four pay-per-view challengers who are facing each other. One of them lose a match two weeks before the pay-per-view. It just was not going to happen. Really, what it should have been is each of them getting their own opponents to beat on Raw. It should have been Rollins, Beating Priest because then he wouldn't need a title match. And then Lashley over, let's say, Finn Balor, someone he's beaten before. WWE simply should not have booked this match at all if they were not going to give us a clean finish. That's what I always say about booking matches. However, just like with Owens and Priest, what we got in the ring was super entertaining. The match was a banger. I had it in the four star range until the finish, which I had to downgrade it because it was a DQ. So I went back down to 3.75 stars in the B but they worked great together. The match got 15 minutes and it was a true banger. They just didn't need to do the match at all. That was the biggest problem. They didn't have to book it in the first place.
1: If you follow WWE at all, you knew the DQ non-finish was coming. And in that sense, you're either dreading it and just waiting for it to happen, or the wrestling is good enough that you kind of just forget about it and enjoy what's going on. And I, I was in the ladder. like I knew we weren't going to get a finish, but I was excited to see this matchup. And the wrestling was good. We opened the show talking about how there's a lack of wrestling and, and whatnot. So when they do give some some of it to us, the last two matches we've talked about here and it's good. You know, I'm that, that's good. I, I'm you know, I, I'm OK with it. I didn't expect anything more, I guess. So because my, my expectations were were lower, I, I, I liked it.
0: Yeah, it, it was fine. You know, and that that's that's the worst thing that I believe you can say <laughs> is that it's fine. And it's really yeah. the main event for one of your big four pay-per-views, two people who are going to be in the main events, the co-main events of one of your big four pay-per-views and like it just was fine. So, yeah. Yeah, it was that's fine. It. That's it. All right, so that's the main event. Let's move on to everything else that happened this week across SmackDown and Raw, in the good, the bad, and the ugly. you when ugly is to love. Me. So I'm going to start with uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix on Raw, just because it involved Kevin Owens. We just talked about him and Damian Priest, that way we can wrap this whole thing up. So Edge and Beth Phoenix, they spoke to Reggie, Dana Brooke and Damian Priest backstage. Edge said he liked seeing Priest's new side. Priest asked for Royal Rumble advice. Edge like started talking and didn't give him any. Beth then got a note from Maurice wanting them to talk in the ring one-on-one. Edge said he knew it was a trap. So he decided to walk with her and come out with her. And he promised Priest that he would talk to him about the Royal Rumble later. Then Owens walked up and he was wearing a tie and said he was excited for them, him and Priest, to have a good clean match without seeing the Damien side. This segment hit for me, not because of really the content, But we talk all the time about companies, AEW, WWE, whoever, letting us see wrestlers interact like normal human beings. And that's what this was. It was Edge and Beth Phoenix, these legends, these Hall of Famers walking backstage, people wanting to talk to them and pick their brain and interact with them. And that's basically what they did here. Could it have been better with them actually giving rub to some people? Absolutely. But Beth did tell Dana she liked how she was you know, working hard and, and really trying edge and priest were kind of having a moment. So I really liked all of this. I thought it was good. This is the way you should use legends in addition to putting them in matches against young talent.
1: Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about all the non wrestling things that we liked in the show after we talked about how there was too many of it, but we'll get to the other stuff soon. Yeah, this was, this was good. Um, I liked Kevin Owens saying, you know, how about just the Damien side? Honestly, that got the gimmick over more than anything they've done before. Just the priest. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, I'm sorry, just the priest side. The idea that Kevin Owens was like kind of afraid of the other side of Damien priest. Like, all right, that's, that's a step forward. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like when people talk backstage as long as they generally sound like they're talking like normal people. And they mostly did here. So, yeah, I'll give it a good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was good. So we had Omos versus Reggie. That's what was kind of coming out of this because uh, Reggie was talking to Edge about like, hey, how do I beat Omos? Which obviously he couldn't. So we had Omos versus Reggie. Dana gave Reggie a pep talk as the 24-7 crew watched and ate popcorn. Omos roared like, like a lion or something. The 24-7 people chased Dana and distracted Omos. Reggie flew off the top rope, but Omos caught him uh, for a choke bomb to win in 30 seconds. I do not hate squash matches. I I like them when they make sense. Uh, And I guess technically it made sense, but they still need to be entertaining. This is not entertaining at all. And Chris, I am at the point where I think I am turning back to my original opinion. Omos does not have it. This was bad,
1: well, this is definitely not a spot or a storyline where he can show it, but yeah, this was bad. it was nothing the the twenty four seven bit we've talked about it a million times it's so boring. I don't Dana Brook's the champion and she's not even involved in anything like it's all why it's still Reggie I don't think
0: stuff. she's she's defended it in a real way one time
1: right yeah, why is Reggie now having matches when he not doesn't have the I, I don't know. You could, do a million, you could do a million fun things with this belt. They don't do it. Bad.
0: They, on Raw right now, there are four women who have championships. The tag team champions don't have contenders on either brand because there's no other women's tag teams. Yes. The 24-7 uh, champion, Brooke, only like has Tamina because every other woman on the brand is elevated enough where they're above the 24-7 title. So what are we doing? Number one, you got to put the title back on a man if that's going to be the case, if you don't have enough people to like run around and contest for it. But two, why do you have these championships at this point? Your roster is so thin. you got to get rid. I I wanted and loved that they started the Women's Tag Team Championship Mm -hmm. in Smack on. uh, Sorry, Smackdown. I was going to say on NXT, it still has a little value because there's a lot of women they want to get on TV and and do matches with and do things. But the fact that they made took one title and made it into two was absurd. As I've said, it should be a title that jumps between one brand and another when it's necessary, when a storyline calls for it. And right now, across really all three brands, they don't need them at all. But if it deserves to be anywhere, it should be NXT. It's just ridiculous that the the WWE title still exists when they don't have women to compete for it. It's an absolute joke. And it's because they released so many women that they weren't doing anything with that they could
1: And speaking of that, by the way, I know that this happened while I was gone, but WWE announcing so many former wrestlers coming back to the Women's Rumble pissed me off so much. I, by the way, I have not, I know they announced them. I have avoided them as much as possible. I've seen a couple of the announcements of who's going to come back. But as soon as I saw, they're like, oh, this person is coming back. I immediately stopped looking, muted it, fast forward, whatever. Because they don't have enough women to fill a Women's Royal Rumble. They're bringing back all these people. They're bringing in the Impact Women's Champion. And they don't even give you the joy of the Rumble, which is the that's, whole
0: point. That's what I said. It's like, the you want you want to yeah. announce a couple names to get people to tune in?
1: Fine. Not all of them. Nobody's going to tune in. I'm, I'm sorry. This is not a slide at the women. Nobody's going to tune in for the Women's Rumble. They're tuning in for... The, the 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 championship matches you have and just the rumble itself. It doesn't matter who's in it. It doesn't matter who's not it goes for the men and the women it does not matter who's in the rumble. You're just having a rumble. People are going to tune in. Stop revealing these people, especially the women's one when you have like Lita and these other people coming back. Holy crap. Like you just take, you're ruining these moments for no reason whatsoever. I was so upset about that. And it happened because yeah, they don't have enough women on the roster to fill out these things that they're trying to do because I released so many of them.
0: And even Lita on SmackDown, they announced it like a couple hours before the show. What if what if I'm at the arena or watching on TV and then Lita shows up and I go, oh my God, that's such a nice surprise. Yeah. Why, why do I have to be told? Just as so they want me to tune in at the beginning of the show, I'm not going to. I'm going to, if I'm a casual fan, I'm going to be on Twitter. I'm going to see them tweet about Lita and then I'm going to tune in anyway. So you're not really succeeding in any possible way it, their decision making is just so poor it's so, so poor. It so it's like
1: it's my least favorite thing is when yeah. they when they give away a, a surprise Give
0: receipt. away. they did it with biggie cashing in, cashing in the money in the bank briefcase for the title the moment we yes. were waiting for they gave it away basically it was ridiculous yes. anyway let's go back to this thing uh so the miz and Maurice thing let's go back to that Maurice said miz wasn't there uh she noted that he accepted the mixed tag team match last week without her input She asked Beth to talk mother to mother in the ring. Edge still came out with Beth as he said he would. Maurice asked to cancel the match and said they should actually be best friends, given they're both moms and they're both legends. Beth told her to shut up, saying the match wasn't off and she would glam slam her right now. Miz attacked Edge with distracted Beth, and then Maurice drilled Beth in the back with her purse, which was later revealed to include a brick that was inside of it. So the faces knew it was a trap. They called it out as a trap, and they still got trapped. Other than that, which is normal, dumb WWE logic, this was fine, okay? Miz later promised to throw an amazing birthday party for Maurice next week. It was all way better than last week's segment. It wasn't great. Beth did sell the brick well. You needed a way to get the heels up on the yes. faces going into the match. They had to have at least one moment. They got it here before the go-home Raw next week. I'll say good. It wasn't bad. It just it wasn't anything.
1: It it was fine, but it, it brought up the question: to Me, why is Beth Phoenix so adamant that they have this match?
0: Why is she adamant? Yes, because like, of
1: the way they've treated and talked down
0: to them. So she wants to fight. It, her.
1: But at the beginning, when 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 Beth Phoenix first showed up, it was because Maurice kind of interfered in their first match that Edge won anyway. Absolutely. Which which goes back to the beginning when I said Miz should have won this first match between the two of them. Uh, because you needed you needed the you needed a a stronger reason for the problem Bez with Phoenix Miz win, the back.
0: problem with Miz winning the first match is then we would have had to have had a third match and that match would have been at WrestleMania. That's uh, the problem
1: with that. I think you could have done two it would have been fine. But but either way, this was fine. It was you know, I'm looking forward to the match. Um but I'm imagining Edge and Beth Phoenix together will have won both of these matchups when I feel like maybe Miz and Maurice deserved one at some point. So, oh, well,
0: are you fine. going with good or bad here? Yeah, I give it a good. All right. So Becky Lynch opened raw bragging about revitalizing the women's division and being responsible, not only for Dewdrop's title match, but making people better. And let's be honest, there's actually something to be said for her. Elevating other women's performers. So she wasn't really inaccurate about that. Becky said, people make a name for themselves, but Dewdrop didn't even pick her own name. And someone with that name would never be a champion. Yeah, no shit. That's what we've been saying on this podcast. Uh, no, that's Doudrop- good. I'm glad you said it. Me too. Dewdrop came out, disagreed. Bianca Belair came out, got a loud chant. Liv got some cheers. Both of them entered the Royal Rumble. This was a typical in-ring segment. I had a prayer when Becky said that that it would lead to Dewdrop coming out and being like, you know what? you're right. My name is actually Piper Nevin, right? Or Mm -hmm. anything to get her out of this name. It was a great setup for Dewdrop to kind of break out of that shell and become a different character. Instead, nope, we're still stuck with the worst in-ring name WWE has created in a long time. That was really disappointing. Uh, Do you have anything to add here before I keep going?
1: Uh, Just on the promo bit?
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about the match, but...
1: Yeah, I I I liked it. I I mean... Dewdrop has come a long way as a character in a short amount of time, and I, I enjoyed this promo segment between them. I agree they should have changed the name, but I thought Dewdrop held her own pretty well uh, in the promo.
0: Her promos, by the way, the last two weeks have been easily the best of her run yep. to this point. Yep. Uh So Lynch and Dewdrop fought Belair and Morgan. Belair was unable to lift Piper for the K.O.D. Becky failed using the ropes to beat Liv and then hit a manhandle slam with Dewdrop breaking the fall with her partner. She tried to cover without being legal, and that was a mistake. She actually screwed that up. So she dragged Lynch fully into the corner, tagged herself back in, (coughs) hit the running splash on Liv, and just beat Morgan. She squashed her. Then she bonsai dropped Lynch in the corner. I liked Piper demanding to get the fall and squashing Lynch. But any three to four women's match, which is basically what this was, it, if it's going to be automatically that short, I'm just going to give it a bat at this point. There's no way it's ever going to be good if I can't even get a real match. It's four women, all who can work. There's no reason to have that match that short. It should have gone on definitely longer, especially when the only other match on the show that was a women's match didn't even start. So I have to automatically give it a bad, even though I liked some of the machinations of what was going on here i don't see why they can't wrestle for 12 minutes it doesn't make sense
1: yeah this is one of those there i go again it's one of those where i liked everything they did i just wanted a lot more of it you know just simple as that um i, I so i then i don't know what to create i guess i'm giving it a good because i enjoyed it and dewdrop kind of messing up the pin at the end actually made the finish better mm, because you know I agree. The fact that she had that she dragged a limp Becky Lynch over and then tagged herself in that, and did it again. Let me, let me, I liked it. I, I thought that made her look even
0: stronger. Let me interrupt you. So she dragged her over. She First, she broke the pinfall. Then she dragged her over. At that moment, she forgot to go out of the ropes, tag herself back in. So then she tried to cover Liv. And that's where it got clunky. The referee wouldn't count because she wasn't legal. Yeah. So she had to fully drag Becky over, tag herself in. If, it, if they had just done it, as it was scripted, yes, it would. I like that. I, I like yeah. the idea of the entire thing, but the execution was a, a screw up. You have to admit it. And you know, Do is great. Live is good. Belair is great. Becky's great. And we can't get a wrestling match between four right. damn good women who can all work together. I, I, I can't be positive about that. It's that's r- the, that. And that's and, the and sorry, one more thing. They just yep. built Live Up into a, a main event caliber at least challenger. And I'm not surprised she took the fall here. She was the right person to take the fall, but that easily,
1: right? Ridiculous. That that's the whole thing here. I like I, I liked it. I just I wanted a lot more of it. Also, the camera completely missed the bonsai drop uh, at the end. They were like zoomed in way in on dewdrop for some reason. So you just see her and then she kind of falls. That was that was a mistake. Um, so. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm between that good and bad because I liked what it was. I just wanted more of it. So I, I don't know how we, how we grade those, I guess.
0: Yeah. And by and, the way, like the bonsai drop thing, like you're already calling her dew drop. The. the it, it makes sense in some ways as a finisher because you're allowing her to use her size and strength, you know, and, and mass, I guess. But my connotation for the bonsai drop, it's one person. It's Yokozuna, right? It's a sumo wrestler. and to me, knowing how talented Piper is, I feel like they could have come up with something that was a little bit less. I'm not saying the bonsai drop is insulting, but it brings a connotation to the character that I think was unnecessary. Like, imagine if she went and did the stink face. I, in the I corner, get it. You
1: know what I mean? That would that would be worse. It would I think, be worse. I agree. I, I, but I, I think that I think her name is more detrimental than than doing the bonsai drop because I mean, like I we see we, we see. Um, uh Otis doing the Vader bomb, you know, we, we've seen big people do stuff like that too. Yeah, but so Vader
0: he, was an athletic big man. That was right, the, the whole thing just, about Gator. Va- Va- I called him Gator. The whole thing about Vader wasn't just, oh, here's a fat guy. It was, oh, this is one of the most athletic right, big men in Otis, wrestling
1: history. Otis is not, Otis is not doing moonsaults though. So it's still, true. True. It's, it, it, she's, she's a larger woman and I understand using that to her, her her character, I think it's okay. I think the name is still a bigger problem, but she has, the name's a bigger been, hindrance. I agree. with Yes, that. Yeah. she she has been absolutely killing it killing for the past it. month. I yep. she is one of those people now when she's coming up, like I'm paying attention. So she's been great.
0: She she is one of the despite her booking and her name and all that, she has been a bright spot in terms of yes. like someone that they've recently called up where they saw that one thing they were doing wasn't working, they changed it. And she's better. She has a better character gimmick. Um, not the name. I'm excluding the name, but the way she talks, the way she looks, um, mm-hmm. the way she's the been interacting music. with the other women. The entrance music improved, even though, again, mm-hmm. the name sucks.
1: Yeah, yes. You're right. Yep. Okay. And, but the other thing, again, is it's, it's again, it's it's two heels. And so we've got a lot of heel (laughs) versus heel stuff going on. So it's kind of weird.
0: It is is strange here. That's a really good point. Uh, Lita appeared on SmackDown for the first time in 20 years. Michael Cole introduced her. They talked about her accomplishments. Lita said she has one run left in her. So she's going to win the Royal Rumble main event WrestleMania. Predictably, Charlotte Flair interrupted, saying she'll eliminate and humiliate her. Lita said Charlotte had a big head. Flair recounted retiring Trish Stratus, saying she's going to do it again to Lita. Lita faked a slap on Flair, then hit the twist of fate. Flair sold the twist of fate terribly, as bad as I've ever seen someone sell that move. It was awful. It was hardly a home run of a segment. It was certainly good enough to promote the rumble match and what I presume will be a face-off between them within the match.
1: Yeah. It, it, Charlotte took that by like landing on her knees or something like that. It was kind of weird. But her sell of almost getting slapped was good. And it 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 made her character look embarrassed. Which is good. So, yeah, I've seen some stuff about Lita feeling like she does have legitimately have a run in her, which would be awesome to see. So great. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, again, do you do you need to do this whole bit, though? Could you just have her surprise show up at the Rumble and it'd be a bigger deal? I think so. I'm OK
0: with a couple names being announced. If you want to drum up interest, you just don't need to announce 11 legends. Right. You know, you can announce two. And that gets yeah. the job done. Plus, we're going to have more legends, you know, showing up at the Rumble. That's all you really need to say. Um, anyway. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we got on SmackDown in Zane with Johnny Knoxville. So Sami Zayn talked about the conspiracy against him and said, Knoxville can't be a wrestler, but he can be a jackass. He being Zayn. So he debuted in Zane, sat in a shopping cart with a helmet and had two dudes push him up a ramp. The goal was to push him up a ramp over the ring into a landing zone that never in a million years would have actually worked. Um, So that was the goal. And then he completely chickened out right as they got to the ramp. Rick Boogs came down with short hair. He cut his hair. Uh, They called him uh, Pat McAfee. I think said he looked like Freddie Mercury. He did look like Freddie Mercury. It was very strange. Uh, Distracted Zane. Shinsuke Nakamura hit him with Kinshasa before Boogs chucked him outside the ring into the pad that was waiting for him. The crowd was all in on this. They loved the entire thing. Sammy was incredible as usual. Ultimately, nothing really happened. But was I entertained? Yes, I was entertained. These are some of the non-wrestling things that WWE occasionally does well. They actually did another one. We'll talk about it in a moment. This was good.
1: Yeah, it was good. Sammy Zane, just like Kevin Owens incredibly captivating on the mic that he'll get you interested in anything. This is, this is the value of being a good promo, being good on the microphone that to me, it's as important, maybe even more important than actual wrestling ability, because this is what keeps people engaged. This was fun. Rick Boogs. I don't know why he cut his hair. I thought the long hair was a great look. Now he just kind of looks a little weird. Maybe I'll get used to it, but. Yeah, this was fun. This was sports entertainment. This was fun.
0: Right. Sports entertainment is good as part of a wrestling show. Exactly. Uh, We had on Raw an Alpha Academy graduation ceremony. Chad Gable put himself over and got pretty damn good heat insulting Oklahoma. Otis was wearing a valedictorian sash with them both in graduation robes. Gable said Otis has no last name they know of, which was funny because obviously (laughs) he used to. Um, He also gave him a diploma. Riddle then interrupted in a robe which just happened to be the color green. And what? I'm really high. Gable said RK Bro could get a rematch if they beat Gable and Otis in an academic challenge. Riddle referenced Billy Madison, uh, the academic decathlon. He was wondering if it was gonna be like that. That popped me. Uh, Riddle then kind of like was teasing Otis, got him out of the ring. Randy Orton popped in with an RKO on Gable, then put on a robe and cap. The whole thing was corny and fun. Gable continues to shine on the mic. This is like three weeks in a row where it's like, oh my God, they're letting Chad Gable talk and wrestle and he's a champion. What's happening in this world? And this time more than maybe ever on his main roster run, he came across like that ridiculous version of the Kurt Angle character that we used Mm -hmm. to get back in the day on SmackDown. I have no idea what next week is going to be with this academic challenge, but I'm here for it. I do wish they didn't go right back to a rematch. They really should be saving it for WrestleMania. But other than that, like one little, like, you know, hope that they delay it. This was very good.
1: Yeah. It was good, but it dragged on too long for me. The The real stuff. I, I thought the real thing kind of really dragged, but I love the Alpha Academy stuff. You made the point last week, I think on, on the pod that, you know, the history between Otis and Gable tweeting the photos of themselves you know, at Olympic trials, like there's so much more you could do about the relationship of these two that they would work as a face team as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you probably don't do that for them as heels, but I hope we continue to get them together and we continue to get to know more about them together in some form because it's a great tag team. And the, the the graduation bit tying into how often Gable was saying he got a master's degree of the 4.0, it worked. It It made sense.
0: Even though they're heels right now, there's really not a harm in, as part of his promo, Gable mentioning something like, you know, I've known you, Otis, for 10 years, and then just kind of going into it. And then that kind of gives you a little tidbit where later, if and when you do turn them faces, you can go into all that stuff that I was talking about last week.
1: So That's the difference between having a wrestling superstar and having a character, and why WWE often doesn't have characters, because they don't touch on that enough.
0: Exactly. They don't go deep enough, for sure. Uh, The Usos opened SmackDown saying they beat New Day again last week, and New Day is the only team in WWE that can actually push them to their limit. Jimmy put on an announcer voice and brought out four teams to compete for the number one contendership. Those teams were Los Lotharios, who we thought were being pushed, and then they were de-pushed. Cesaro and Mansoor, who are not a tag team. Jinder Mahal and Shanky, who like, you know, I can't even believe they're on SmackDown and the Viking Raiders, the one tag team out of the whole group. So the Usos super kicked two guys to get a brawl started. Eric did a super duperplex of Cesaro, Jinder, and Ivar. Cesaro failed to swing Ivar. He tried, but he was too heavy. Jinder hit the Colossus, but didn't cover. The Lotharios did a double Tope Suicida, but the Raiders beat them with the Viking experience. The Usos immediately cut a promo saying Samoa doesn't get raided. The match was such an indictment of the SmackDown tag team division. That's how bad things are there. Without New Day, that these are the only other people there. And like I said, three of them are not even believable as challengers. There's just no one to compete. The Raiders were the obvious winners. And some of the action was okay. I'm going to say good, only because it wasn't bad. Nothing about it turned me off. They got time. They wrestled. The right team won. It just didn't do anything to excite me.
1: Yeah, I was kind of just, not super paying attention to it as it was going on because you kind of knew. Um, I thought the Usos were pretty entertaining with their intros. Like the voices that I think Jimmy was doing was pretty funny. I, I thought those, it, it was good. And I don't remember which one it was, but they, they said of the Los Lotharios before the entrance, they're looking to steal your hearts, your cars, and a victory. <laughs> um, so... It was an entertaining start. I kind of didn't really care much about the wrestling, and then we got the winner that we expected, so it was fine. I don't know if I give it a bad or good. I, I guess I'll say a light good.
0: We ha- we got to stick to the to the rules, the categories. And for I know it's mm-hmm. tough, but that's what we got to do. That's the segment. Uh, also, we had Sheamus versus Ricochet. Sheamus blamed Rick for Ridge Holland's injury, saying he'd break his nose. Ricochet said he'd break open Sheamus's face. Rick got new music that I would say. It was a slight downgrade from the old music, but it wasn't bad. It was very, very similar. Uh, Pat McAfee during the match thought he was quoting Fabulous. He was actually quoting Jadakus. I don't know uh, if he caught that. Rick hit an insane tope. Then Sheamus tripped up on the apron and slingshotted him under the ring. Rick hit a springboard crossbody and a draping lion salt for a 2.8. Sheamus dodged a shooting star press and hit an Irish curse. Rick drove Sheamus headfirst into the post from inside and hit a sunset flip powerbomb for another 2.8. Sheamus countered a springboard handstand with a bro kick and got the win. This was a perfect television match. This is all I want, okay? It's not that hard. With commercials it got like 11 minutes, yes, they could have gone 15. You know, I always ask for a little bit more. And if they did go 15, they would have really crushed it. Those great wrestling from both guys, some near falls for Ricochet to kind of keep him strong despite the defeat, and a really exciting finish for the guy who was obviously gonna go over from the start of the match. They do need to figure out how to get Ricochet wins. But for what this was, it was very good. And I'm going to give it 3.5 stars and a B. You could you could argue it was better than that, though.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a good. I, I'm still not super into this story or the characters, really. But the wrestling was good. And, and like we said, that's, like you said, perfect TV match is probably the way to explain it. It makes you more interested in them because of that. So I'll
0: give it a good. All right. Uh, We had Austin Theory thank Vince McMahon for giving him a rematch with Finn Balor. Vince said either Theory beats Balor or he'll drag him back to his office, kick the shit out of him, take a selfie and send it to his mom. It was clearly a pre-taped segment because you could hear everything, number one. And McMahon was easily the best he's looked or sounded since they brought him back for the egg shit. So I appreciated that they realized the flaws in what they were doing and they fixed them. You can say what you want about the storyline, but they fixed that part of it. Uh, So we got Balor versus Theory in a match. Balor came out, they went to commercial, came back, aired a three-minute MLK video. Then we got one minute of the match, another commercial, and then they came back for the match. Balor countered a rolling dropkick with a sling blade, hit another one and avoided the ATL with a roll-up near fall. Theory then avoided coup de grace, hitting a rolling dropkick, and then the ATL to beat the first Universal champion and a two-time NXT champion in six minutes. Half of which was during commercials. So we didn't even see him get to fight Balor. Then Theory attacked after the bell hit another ATL before wiping his boots on Balor and taking another selfie. What the fuck are we doing here? (laughs) Balor losing to Theory in a long, hotly contested match because of a pinning combination? That's one thing. If there's a storyline reason for it, I can get over it. This was absolutely ridiculous. When Balor got moved from SmackDown to Raw, it looked like he was being positioned to be a big player on Raw after the draft. Now, he's losing in six minutes to theory and getting treated like that? That is absolutely terrible. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. And if you couldn't tell, that's ugly.
1: Ugly. Uh, They even like made... Note that like Finn Balor was returning, like he's back, you know, he's been gone for a little bit, but the, you know, Finn Balor's back and then he immediately loses the theory again in a match we barely even got to see because there's all, all this stuff going on. Good Lord. Terrible, terrible, terrible.
0: Yeah, terrible in every possible way. Uh The Street Profits and the Mysterios fought the Dirty Dogs, Apollo Crews, and Commander Aziz in an eight-man tag team match. The Faces cut promos backstage about being excited for the Rumble. There was a commercial break, a long SmackDown recap, one minute of wrestling, a commercial break. So you see the trend here? These are two matches back to back, not back to back on the show, but back to back that I'm talking about that were exactly the same in the lead in. Ray countered a press from Cruz with a great tornado DDT. Angelo Dawkins got a good hot tag and hit his double underhook neck breaker. The Mysterios hit the dogs with a double 619. Aziz caught Dominic flying, but Ray sat on him off the ring apron. Dawkins then hit the anointment, and Montez Ford hit a sky high frog splash for the win. The Mysterios tossed the Prophets out of the ring after. Then Ray did the same to Dominic to teach him a lesson. I thought that was a fun touch at the end. This ultimately got seven minutes, including a commercial. It sucks it was way too short. The finish was wild, just the way all the action was put together. And the crowd popped huge for it. It was the first time that the Mysterios or the Prophets have gotten a really big reaction in weeks. So for all of those reasons, I will say it was good.
1: Yeah, I was... I was torn. I like I, I liked the finish, but I just generally didn't care about any of this again for, I think, I think the second straight week they were doing this. Um, so I. it's just kind of whatever. It's kind of, it was a match. It happened. It's fine. No harm, no foul. It's good, but it's completely inconsequential.
0: It's inconsequential, true. But sometimes when you're building for the Royal Rumble, you just have to have people competing in it in a match. Yeah.
1: Right? I'm
0: okay with individual things like that, right? Um, Yeah. On SmackDown, Kofi Kingston fought Mad Cat Moss. (sighs) Oh my God. Kofi announced via King Scroll that Xavier Woods suffered a calf injury and will miss the Royal Rumble, but Kingston will be in the event to ensure that it is legitimately Royal. That was kind of a cute line and the crowd popped for it. Happy Corbin bragged about making money on NFTs and hurting Drew McIntyre's neck, saying he's in the Rumble also. I really do believe we're just getting Drew McIntyre and Corbin at WrestleMania. Like, I, I totally believe that's going to be the match as long as McIntyre is OK. Uh, Kofi then said he would shit on their faces. Like, I, I forgot the verbiage he used, but that's the note I wrote down. I think <laughs> he said doo-doo or poop or something like that. He said it. I mean, whatever. This match got I talked about earlier a minute. This match got 30 seconds before a commercial break. Moss rolled through a crossbody and countered the SOS with an eye gouge, hitting the punchline neckbreaker to beat the former WWE champion in a couple of minutes and just two minutes of actual television, what the hell am I supposed to say here? I'm gonna repeat myself. Fuck this entire thing. Everything about it was absolutely terrible. I am pissed off. I'm pissed to the highest level of pissivity. It's got about as much chance of getting over as orange Cassidy. Who do they think this is helping? Moss? No. Kingston, no. The viewing audience, no. This was ugly.
1: Kofi Kingston did a good job rolling his R's uh, while he was reading the scroll. And I didn't get to say it last week, but Mad Cat Moss had a pretty darn good fake Scottish accent last week. But this whole thing was ugly this week. Just complete nonsense.
0: Uh, Naomi confronted Sonya Deville, shut her up and said she's messing with her livelihood still without giving her a reason why. Sonya said Naomi acts like a main character when she's just an extra and threatened to remove her from the Royal Rumble or even fire her. Sonya and Adam Pierce kept complaining that it was getting hot in the office, so Sonya removed her jacket and Naomi came back in looking to beat her down now that she wasn't wearing the jacket, and that's what Sonya said. Pierce <laughs> stopped it, Deville put her jacket back on and Naomi ranted. Pierce decided to give Naomi another opportunity at Charlotte next week. So again, she's getting a second Champions Contenders match or something like that. They keep stretching the storyline, but there's no clear end goal. Is Naomi versus Sonya? is it a WrestleMania caliber match? Maybe that's what they think. And that's what they're going to do at this point. Because otherwise, I don't know what the end is. I wanted to see this two months ago, not in two more months. You know what I'm saying? The whole deal with the thermostat, it was kind of inventive considering they're doing the whole gimmick with her wearing the jacket, I didn't hate this; it wasn't bad, so I default to good. But again, I just want this to happen at this point. I, I cannot wait two more months for them to fight a a, a singles match. It's going to get eight minutes on a pay per view. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, I, the the it's hot in the office gimmick. The 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 story there that was pretty good because I did not know where it was going. And then once she took the jacket off, I was like, oh, that was okay. They like, they kind of told a little story here throughout the show. That was creative. But for that to instead be another Naomi Charlotte match, I was like, uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Especially by the way, when
0: Charlotte is not going to be defending her title on the Royal Rumble. We already know she's going to be in the Rumble match. So it's not like she's going to win and then get a title match out of it. So she's going to lose again. If we get
1: a. And if we get another Sonya, says no, he comes out, no, you can't do this. But interferes, Charlotte wins this. Holy crap, man! Just pull the trigger and do this thing already. I, I agree. I don't think it's a WrestleMania match. So, I don't know. It would have it would have seemed like perfect for a Rumble match. Maybe, maybe something happens next week, and they quickly schedule finally, and they throw it on the Rumble. That's what it should be. It should be Naomi versus Sonya at the Rumble. There's still some time for them to do it. We'll see. But even then, it's like they should both be in the Royal
0: Rumble match. (laughs) You know what I mean? So anyway. All right. Uh, Nikki Ash on Raw said it's clear she needs to be on her own. And Rhea Ripley was the actual villain for flushing their friendship down the toilet. Nikki said Rhea would realize she needs her whether she likes it or not. Rhea later said she would remind Nikki exactly what she is all about, being dominant. Uh, This was easily each of their best promos in months. I just, you know. They felt completely natural, and that was a really good start. So we got Ripley versus Nikki Ash as a scheduled match. Carmella and Queen Zelina came out, said they should be thanked for splitting them up. Their promo, the delivery, was actually very good. It was just meaningless given their team. There's no other women's tag teams, and Ripley and Nikki are not a tag team. So why are they even out there at that point, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. But because they were out there, Nikki blindsided Rhea, beat her up, threw into the steel steps, and the match never started. That a match never starting is better than giving us a three another three minute women's match. Maybe this is going to be a bit of a surprise to people listening, hearing me be negative right now. This whole thing hit for me only because of promo quality. I liked yeah. both of what Nikki and Rhea said, and therefore I'm going to go with good.
1: Yeah, I'll give it a good for for the, for those reasons, like you said. It it all made sense. I've actually kind of I've really enjoyed Rhea and, and Nikki the last couple of weeks with this, so. Yeah, I'm interested. I don't know. I don't think it's going to become some great, memorable story or feud, but this is good. This is it's fine. It's good.
0: On Raw, we had uh, Alexa Bliss's journey back to Raw part two. The psychiatrist apologized for putting her through the Lily video last week and said he needed to evaluate her, which is why he did it. Then he said, let's do word association. And she answered every word that he said with Lily. He said imaginary. Bliss stood up angry, apparently, and he ran out of the room. So unless there's some twist here that I just can't comprehend at this juncture, this continues to be downright terrible. Like, and even if there is a twist, it doesn't make these segments that we're getting right now good. You can have a twist where it takes you away from what your expectation is, but everything leading up to it should still be entertaining. These are not. Chris, do you want to know what my word association is for this segment? Ugly.
1: I'm giving it a bad, I'm still holding out hope that there is something going to happen at the end of this i think the i think the point of progression is she freaked out the first time now she doesn't freak out the second time and so maybe we're like kind of taking steps i still think i still think the end of this could work but you're right through two of these i'm kind of don't really care right now so it's a bad but it doesn't mean it can't be salvaged
0: by the way bliss tweeted literally while we were talking about this like not even joking Sometimes you need to be patient and see how things play out. So yes, I said
1: exactly. I was I, I'm happy to let it play out, but I am not optimistic, at least right no, now. if we have to grade what we have so far. Yeah, that's right. Fine. But like I said, I there's still it can still turn around. I fully believe that. All right. Two more things and we can get out of here. We had Aaliyah versus Natalia on SmackDown.
0: Aaliyah was excited about the opportunity to fight her. Natalia put over her Guinness World Records, which she just recently got after commercial. Natalia was still talking about the records. Natalia attacked Aaliyah before the bell because she wanted to set the record for fastest win, which currently in WWE is 3.8 seconds. The referee canceled the match and then like literally five seconds later said, okay, yeah, the match can start. It was super weird. Um, yeah. The bell rang and Aaliyah surprised Natty with an immediate roll-up with the time of the win announced as 3.17 seconds, a new record for Aaliyah and WWE, not Natalie. So winner now, Chris, of the fastest match in WWE history is Aaliyah. Okay, 3.17 seconds. I don't even know what to say here. I guess the idea was to do something fun and put Aaliyah over. But you know what would put her over more? Wrestling seven to 10 minutes with Natalia and beating her clean. I did laugh Mm -hmm. a bit when they made a big deal out of it later with a package, but given this was so convoluted and the only women's match on the entire show, it lasted 3.17 seconds I have to say, bad. There were across five hours of WWE TV this week, two women's matches. One lasted 3.17 seconds. Granted, it was a storyline, I understand. But even if it wasn't, how long would that match have been anyway? 3.17 seconds. The other one was like three minutes, or maybe there was a commercial involved. I don't remember. But a grand total of less than 10 minutes. And the third women's match that was booked never even started. That is a dire state of affairs. And by the way, on SmackDown, where is Shotzi Blackheart? Where is Zaya Lee? Why can't these women get in the ring and wrestle? Zaya made one appearance and is gone. Shotzi had one feud and is now gone. Why are we even doing this with Aaliyah and Natalia at all? I can't wrap my head around it. It wasn't ugly because I understood what they were doing, but it was bad.
1: Yeah, it's bad. I honestly I think the world record gimmick for an Natalia, I actually think it's pretty good. It's a it's a really good heel gimmick, but you just basically used it all up for this one-off SmackDown story. Like, Natalia, you can't go around talking about how she has all these records anymore because she just lost in the new new record. So, like, that would have been, you know, you could build up to that, I think. This was just kind of happened. It's a bad, you could have done a lot more of it.
0: And then lastly, after a two-week absence, we don't have to grade this, but after a two-week absence, we got a Veer Mahan vignette again. Yes, Uh, it was the same one, though, that they were airing before. So we didn't even get a third version, a new one. But this is now taking on a life of its own in the IWC. It is. That actually (laughs) concerns me, though. Okay, that concerns me because I've been saying for months that Veer actually does have potential. He has the most Mm -hmm. potential out of anyone in his old group. He actually looks like he could be a good piece for WWE, but they have nothing for him. There was a report that when they started these vignettes, they had no storyline for him to come in with. They just were kind of promoting him as a new talent or, or, or as a talent that they wanted to feature on Raw. Maybe he'll debut in the Rumble and get a bit of a run there. That would be a nice way to reintroduce him. But because it's taken on a life of its own at this point, I can only hearken back to Brodus Clay and Funkasaurus. And what it like in my head now, they're going to send Veer out. And by the way, the guy has a good look. He has a great mm-hmm. background, million dollar arm. We know that story. I have this real big pessimism that they're going to bring them out with like a Bollywood gimmick or something. And it's just going to be a total Funkasaurus-like joke. And that's going to be the end of Veer in WWE.
1: I don't know if it's going to be a joke, but yeah, I can 100% see them dropping the ball on this. Imagine if, like you said, they did tell the story of the million dollar. There's a freaking movie about this guy. You know, when you talk about telling someone's story as a character and connecting with them, that's how you do it again, we'll, we'll see. They haven't done anything. So there's nothing to really grade, but I do look forward to now every Monday night, the WWE Twitter account tweeting that Vera is coming because they're in on the joke and everybody is, and it's it's funny for now, but yeah, I, I am concerned that they still don't have a plan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that is it this week in the world of WWE. As I said, we are just under two weeks out from the Royal Rumble. So next week, We will have a loaded week. Not only will we have the WWE Royal Rumble Ultimate Preview on Tuesday, we will have the Royal Rumble Instant Analysis Saturday night as soon as that pay-per-view goes off the air. And there's at least some chance, given the go-home SmackDown will be Friday night immediately before the Royal Rumble, there's at least some chance we may have a bonus episode in there somewhere. I don't know. But as far as what's coming up the rest of this week before we get to next week, We will be back on Thursday talking all things AEW and NXT right here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. As I said, this is our biggest time of the year, the Royal Rumble going into the road to WrestleMania and then WrestleMania. So we really appreciate all of your support. Please do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Remember, this show... So please leave those five-star ratings on Apple. Write a review. Let people know how much you love the show. We will air it right here. Or we'll read, I should say, your review right here. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. That is it for today. For Vintage Chris Vanini, this is The Silver King, Adam Silverstein, leaving you with three final words. Bye for now.